0: You're in a fenestration conversation, where Canada's window and door industry talks about the things that matter to our businesses. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery.
1: Hi, everybody, and thanks for tuning in to Fenestration Conversations. Well, the pandemic has caused everybody to change how we do things, and um, this year's big North American glass show, uh, Glass Build, has been no different. Um, instead of the live event that, uh, I believe was supposed to go in Atlanta this year, uh, obviously the organizers had to completely tear up their plans and do something different. Uh, as I know from, uh, running my own shows, that's a massive challenge. And, uh, what they came up with though was, uh, something I think really unique and different. Um, an event called glass build connect, which was essentially an entire month of uh, content, uh, education seminars, online educational seminars that they put online uh, at glassbuildamerica.com. The recordings of the sessions are all up there. I highly recommend uh, going up to uh, check some of it out. And they basically did it in the form of uh, each day of the week being something different. Uh, There was uh, performance Wednesdays and manufacturing Mondays and uh, Outlook Tuesdays and so it was a a, a very big undertaking uh, the sessions that I dropped in on were excellent uh, and I uh, do recommend everybody check it out um, but one of the uh, what we're going to hear today is uh, I was given the very kind opportunity to host uh, the Canada panel where I got on with uh, uh, four really great leaders in, uh, in, in our industry, in the uh, glass uh, glazing and uh, fenestration industry, and talked about uh, the Canadian uh, industry, and talked about how it's a little different than uh, everywhere else, and, uh, and especially some of the differences from the United States. And uh, we had fun with it, and I think we had a really good discussion. It was uh, Terry Adamson from West Tech, uh, Angelo Cairo from Stoville Glass, uh, Natalie Thibault, uh, from uh, she's now with LePage Millwork, but until recently was the um, uh, technical director for Canada for the uh, Fenestration and Glazing Industry Alliance, FGIA. And Rick Prees, uh, who is who uh, has his own company, Fenestration Pro, but he represents West Tech and Everlast uh, in the western provinces. And the four of them joined me, and, and I think we had a great discussion. Um, So uh, I have uh, very kindly gotten permission from the National Glass Association, who puts on glass Build, to share the audio of that conversation with you here. So uh, without further ado, here's the uh, Canada panel on fenestration conversation. Hi everybody. thanks so much for joining us today um, rather than have me uh, rather than have me blather on um, let 's just go around the uh, let 's go around the group and uh, and get everybody to introduce themselves and say who they are and what what they do and uh, and and maybe a, a, a touch about about your company uh, terry why don 't we start with you
2: sure patrick uh, good morning um, on the west coast of course it 's still morning i live uh, uh, in British Columbia uh, right on the coast, a beautiful place, heaven on earth, it's a gorgeous day out there today Uh, but we're forecast for about four inches of rain over the next couple of days. So we live in a rainforest but you know what we'll take it, almost no snow so it's good. Um, I work for West Tech Windows and Doors uh, in a little town called Chilliwack just outside of Vancouver, Um, focused mostly on uh, higher-end single-family homes, uh, three facilities, about 200, 230 staff, something like that. Um, I'm the technical director there. So I deal with, you know, all of the um, product development, uh, you know, code things, uh, you know, just, just the technical details of, of the product mix that we offer, uh, which is pretty um, extensive. We do uh, PVC, you know, casement sliders, tilt and turn, patio doors, lift and slides, wood, wood metal clad, uh, aluminum systems, y- you name it. We, uh, we manufacture most fenestration products. Um, I'm also um, president of Fenestration Canada Uh, into my second year uh, due to COVID, we had to extend that term, which, uh, you know, take it or leave it. It is what it is. It's okay. I really enjoy doing it. So I'm happy to be here and hopefully can can contribute something that's beneficial to everybody on the call.
1: You know some some people will just use any excuse to grab power and and retain it uh you know and it's, it's, it, you know it's, it, 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 we've got an insurrection on our hands here clearly uh, I, I, <laughs> we have to have a full review uh thanks a lot terry uh angelo
0: why don't we go over to you and uh, tell us a bit about yourself good morning everyone it's angelo cairo from stoville glass in toronto ontario uh second generation Uh, company owner uh, family business started in 1979 so we're about 40 plus years in business Uh, primarily commercial uh, windows and doors curtain wall glazing uh, with a small portion of our business in residential probably about 5% of that Uh, so we do dabble in residential windows and doors uh, service plus our primary primary uh, business is uh, large medium scale, sorry, uh commercial contracting work. And uh yeah, it's been in my blood since uh I was born and uh this is where I'm probably gonna live and die. <laughs> <laughs> you, there's no getting
1: out now, Angelo. That's no, it. Yeah, yeah. No,
0: no, in two thousand it was a TSN turning point uh for uh for whether it was gonna be a go or no go for me. So that was my step both feet in. <laughs> That's where I'm gonna be now. <laughs>
1: And you and and you did you did a stint as uh, president of the Ontario Glass and Metal Association, Correct. and uh, and now you're on the board hey, of directors Jim. for Architectural Glass and Metal Contractors Association, right?
0: Correct. Yeah. We uh, in 2017 we uh, unionized uh, the company uh, voluntarily. I might add. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, you know, it's either good or a bad thing. Uh, we did it on purpose uh, because we were. Uh, I saw a big shortfall. In uh, in qualified skilled labor, and uh, I felt like going this route. And the size of projects that we were looking at and working on, in our customer base, it was uh, it was a just a necessity. It had to be done, and yeah. I wanted a, a a pool of qualified labor to pull from.
1: A topic Angelo is very passionate about. And the longer the golf cart goes around, and the beer cart goes around, the more passionate he gets. I can speak from experience yes. as uh, as you go. So. Yeah. Next, we'll go over to Natalie Thibault. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Pat. <laughs> How's it going?
3: Very good, and you?
1: Good, good. Now, you've got a story to tell, so tell it.
3: Oh, my. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this yes, is our I chance do. to find out what it, what really went on.
3: <laughs> oh, man, uh, thanks to COVID. I mean, this is all courtesy of COVID, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, uh, so, yeah, as, uh, as most of you know, I was with FGIA for a good chunk of this year, wonderful association i mean i can only say good things about them and what they do for us um, but with the the covid and the traveling sort of ban, if i could say i was getting a little lonely at home mm. and i uh, came across this wonderful company called Le page Work, uh, who's located in my hometown because i'm located in a small town east of quebec city in the province of quebec uh, and fell in love with their products and couldn't help, but want to sell them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's mostly wood uh, windows and, uh, patio doors, uh, lift and slides, but they also focus also on, um, heritage type of, uh, of projects, which is uh, really cool, you know, in terms of yep. preserving our heritage here in, uh, in Canada.
1: Well, I've got I've got 30-year-old uh, wood windows uh, upstairs Natalie. So play your cards right and you never know you might come out of this with an order yet. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you and you and you and uh, you and Terry can duke it out. Well, he, you're not going to ship to Ontario. Oh,
3: yeah, we well. do. Oh, no
1: no he will. Oh, yeah. No problem.
2: Oh, okay. Hey, right. Pat, and our wood window is passive
1: Oh, oh. It's on. It's
3: on. <laughs> oh man, what's <When laughs> up Terry? It's on. I <laughs>
1: next up we have rick Pries, and his company is called fenestration pro because he is the fenestration pro uh out in uh, alberta rick how you doing and your rick's video unfortunately is frozen he's so far out in alberta that, <laughs> uh, that, that, that that he's he's communicating we think by possibly telegraph line oh there you're moving again a little bit rick no he's freezing up again so we may be audio only with rick rick how's it going
4: Oh, good. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, yeah, I feel a little bit like Max Headroom for <laughs> those old enough to remember who that was. Um, anyways, very happy to be here. Uh, my background is I've been in the window business for 32 years total started with a company called Gino and worked for Almetco in Vancouver before, uh, moving on to Berlin X, a vinyl extruder and, uh, which became uh VECA after a while. Currently I, uh, have Fenestration Pro Consulting where I do various consulting work and I also represent Everlast Products in uh, Western Canada for dealer sales and uh, Terry will probably notice it over my shoulder is a little West Tech sample there so if you need Passive House in the prairies I'm your guy <laughs> uh, so anyways real happy to be here and I I apologize for the for the terrible video out here in beautiful Wizard Lake Alberta.
1: <laughs> you, you don't you don't need video in Wizard Lake, Alberta, because the the view out your window does it all. It's uh, it's uh, too, too nice, right, Rick? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, folks, the, the idea here is to uh, is to try to touch on some uh, some 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 differences. I mean I've, I've been selling this thing on the basis that we're explaining the industry. I don't know if that's possible to do, uh, but uh, I think that that a great way just to start is to maybe go around the horn and talk a bit about your region and your market and maybe what you think is, is sort of different or unique in, in, in what people are asking for there. Terry, why don't you start us off?
2: Oh, Pat, we don't have enough time, man. <laughs> so uh, in British Columbia, you know, something that's interesting about our province is that you know, most of it is a relatively warm climate compared to a lot of Canada. And yet uh, we're very, very proactive on the energy code front. Um, very proactive and and quite aggressive. Um, Right now uh, you know in the province of British Columbia you know you're looking at about a 1.80 for for the southern parts of the province and that gets uh, more aggressive as you move up uh, towards the north. Uh, And then in the city of Vancouver which has its own building bylaw uh, they introduced a much more aggressive thermal performance code for fenestration for residential homes uh, at a, a 1.44, which is about a, a 0.25 imperial, um, so very aggressive uh, targets for us to to hit, um, and and that's been the um, you know that's been the biggest challenge over the last five years or so, where we're seeing these um, the push towards energy performance. Uh, the province of BC um, has also adopted what's called a step code. Um, some of you may, um, may have heard the term tiered code, which is headed for Ontario. So there are five levels of energy performance that a uh, jurisdiction can adopt. And they go uh, basically code level and progressively get more difficult until you get to about a passive house net zero ready um, type of project. Um, this is happening very quickly. Initially, when, when we first saw this launch a few years ago, you know, there's, there's five steps it was an option for jurisdictions to adopt it or not. Uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, jurisdictions in, in British Columbia get into the STEP code already, um, and not jumping in at step one, but jumping in at step three, which is um, you know fairly aggressive. You know, you're seeing fenestration targets you know under 1.4, so under a point, uh, 0.24, I think that is, uh, and lower. Uh, which can be a bit challenging because you can be um, supplying a house in a city, and then a house next door has completely different uh, thermal performance targets. So that's a bit of a challenge to keep track of what's going on there. Um, but but the biggest thing that that we're seeing is that when when this um, program came in, they talked about you know step one we'll get in you know in step three in 2025, and step five by 2030. Well. A lot of jurisdictions are in step three. Um, the district, city of, city of North Vancouver, is already talking step four next year. Um, very, very aggressive push to thermal performance, and, and we're seeing it in our market where uh, most manufacturers are um, already uh, proactively working on high performance thermal performance systems. Um, you know, a bit of a plug for West Tech we have uh, uh, several passive house systems. And uh, a lot of other very, very high-performance thermal performance products um, in the can already that that we offer. So it's moving much quicker than anybody anticipated, uh, and it's going to be a challenge for uh, for our market. And and as I see it, moving across the country, like I said, Ontario is already looking at a tiered code. So I think that that's going to be the new norm for for Canada over the next few years as we push, you know, towards targets um, for 2030 and beyond. So it's. Um, it's a challenge it's it's pretty difficult right now
1: it's it's an, it's, it's it's analogous to, to how california drives standards in uh, in uh, across across the united states uh the uh the you know it's 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 always been amazing to watch bc I, I think there were as i recall a few years ago there were there were parts of vancouver that were practically mandating triples and <laughs> in, in, in a in a in a in an area where it it's the warmest part of Canada. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. You know, um,
2: I mean, it, when they brought in their uh, 1.44, which is, I think it's a 0.25 Imperial, it essentially changed that market overnight from yeah. a lot of PVC sliders to PVC casements, for the most part. I mean, that's, that's the majority of products sold there. Overnight, that changed. Um, a lot of companies were able to quickly get into a, a casement window in dual glazing that could hit those numbers. Uh, But January 2022, so a little bit over a year, uh, the city of Vancouver is dropping that down to what looks like is going to be a 1.22 or I think it's a 0.21 imperial. That's Mm going to be triples. There's very, very few systems that are going to get to that target in a double. So Vancouver will be all triple glazed products for residential and um, small multi-unit buildings um, in whatever that is, 15 months. And that the thing about um, the thing about energy codes um, is that you know like like everywhere enforcement is a is a problem, compliance and enforcement is very challenging. And there's you know you can get enforcement in one city and no enforcement in the other, or it's very challenging. The city of Vancouver took a very very aggressive proactive approach, and uh, if you put product into projects that didn't meet the targets, they were making people rip product out of buildings, and take it home. You know, uh, so it didn't take long for the industry to see that. And I really um, applaud the city of Vancouver for, you know, if you're gonna bring in a regulation, enforce it. That way we all get to play on, on one field. Uh, so they've been, they've really been aggressive about it. And, and it didn't take long for the industry to figure out, don't fool around, don't don't try and get by with something that isn't compliant because uh, they're very good about it, about enforcing it, so.
1: Yeah. Now there is one part of the country where compliance and enforcement is a problem because you could meet somebody very nasty, uh, and 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 who is uh, very angry at the government coming out to bother them, and that's Alberta, and that's where Rick Prees is, and he's <laughs> Rick. What are what what what's the scene in in uh, in in Wizard Lake? Are that are that are that are they really enforcing the energy codes there, um, and and I guess elsewhere uh, around your territory or or what's going on?
4: It- it seems to be slowly dribbling in Patrick. Um, I'm also chairman of the Fenestration Canada Prairies Committee, so you know I kind That's of right. cover Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. And you know certainly in Manitoba, you know they I think are going to be starting to raise the the standards there. Um, in Alberta, you know in the last couple of weeks I've been prepping for our upcoming conference uh, next week. And so talking to some of the architects and designers, et cetera, and, you know, it looks like, you know, we are starting to see people mention stuff that kind of dribbles in from British Columbia since they're next door, uh, such as step code, uh, field testing, you know, everything that uh, drives everybody crazy out here. And then, you know, what kind of, kind of slowly dribbles in. In terms of enforcement, uh, enforcement really hasn't been what it needs to be here uh, mm. as compared to BC. And again, you know, Terry's point on just creating that level playing field is is very important. And it really doesn't happen a lot uh, in Alberta, but again, you know, some of the people that we've been having discussions with and the more uh with our prairies region now that we can get involved with a uh, little bit more government organizations and hopefully work with the regulators uh, to do similar to what uh, fenestration bc did because i think they were a very large part of you know the success of enforcement out there mm-hmm. in terms of what's coming here yeah high performance products they're uh, they are getting spec more and more again not really any enforcement But, you know, it's not a coincidence that the product lines that I do handle are all about uh, better energy performance than a lot of other products that are out there. Uh, So, yeah, that's definitely a trend that I see. It would be nice if it wasn't, you know, for COVID so I could get out and sell more. But right now I supplement my income by uh, betting against the Ottawa Senators. So it's all (laughs) right. You'll, you'll never
1: lose that way Rick that's the, you won't get good odds though that's your problem <laughs> so look uh, uh, yeah exactly uh, thanks Rick I, you know one 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 place where you can't get away with anything is Quebec uh, and uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's 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 where that's where you're being watched right right Natalie
3: <laughs> if only that was true yeah no much like what Rick was saying in in Quebec uh we were behi- <coughs> behind in terms of energy codes um we were going by an old code that was uh, there until like from the 80s if i'm not mistaken uh thankfully enough at least the uh, the provincial government uh introduced uh, a new version of the uh, energy code um I think it was at the beginning of July of this year. So now at least the province is stepping up a little bit. Uh, and I think it's uh, it's quite necessary that we have products that do meet uh, a more stringent code. I'm not saying that it has to be something that doesn't make sense for the industry, but by the same token, you know we have quite uh, big temperature differentials here in Quebec
4: mm-hmm. and
3: it's uh, important to have products that can withstand those differentials. So good isolation is uh, is quite important, and uh, I think those new codes will help in achieving just that. Uh, now we'll see about enforcement uh, It's always the trick, and uh, we'll see also depending on the different regions how that gets adopted, but at least we can see that there's a, a good will from the provincial level to uh, introduce some new um, some new steps in in that regard
1: right. Natalie, you also have been heavily on the, uh, on the commercial side in, well, both in your prior iteration before FGIA and, and while you were with them. Um, if you, let, let's, say, let's say you're a commercial glazing contractor who's, who's, who wants to get into business in Quebec, what's, what's different about, about the commercial side in Quebec? What's, what's different in, in architecture and glazing in, in Quebec that's maybe different than other parts of, uh, of North America?
3: Well, I think in Quebec, particularly, especially in regions that are more up north, you have to be very mindful of wind loads and snow loads mm. uh, because there's quite a bit of snow in regions like, for example, the Quebec City and up north. Uh, for some reason, they have like some um, very specific climates, and there's a lot of snowfalls during the winter. So, uh, especially for uh, canopies and uh, and um, anything that would be cantilevered on uh, on the roof that would be important for for glazers to be mindful of that. Uh, obviously energy. So, uh, you know, the minimum would for sure be a, a double IG with a low E uh, to have the proper uh, energy uh, savings or energy uh, performance. Um, I don't know that there are any uh, specific uh, curtain walls uh, materials other than Aluminum being used, but I know that there are some companies that are looking at other materials like uh, fiberglass and wood, for example, because of their better uh, performance in terms of uh, energy. So uh, hopefully, you know, like materials like this will be more adopted uh, in the future to uh, to respond to the needs for for better energy products, energy performing products.
1: New direction for LePage Millwork wood curtain wall. I'm seeing. <laughs> here it comes
3: there's always a ton of opportunities
1: out there. yeah that's right that's right (laughs) angelo uh tell me about uh tell me about toronto that's where you're doing most of your work um you're uh you're you're heavily on the commercial side are the architects pushing you guys on energy standards Um, uh, probably for some of your projects they are right because um a a lot of uh, institutional uh, uh schools hospitals that kind of thing right
0: well, you know, it's um, exactly what Terry and Natalie were uh, just saying there. The the energy performance is just going lower and lower, as in more restrictive and and higher restrictive measures. It's mostly for here in Toronto. Uh, it was it was going the more prescriptive prescriptive method, where you know, check the boxes. Uh, Window to wall ratios, U values in the products, and you kind of build your template. Now, uh, on these uh, larger scale projects, they want specific models. And this is at the building permit stage uh, to not just say that you met it, but prove that you met it. And it's going to, and it's extremely important uh, up to the architect who's preparing the package that they see it all the way through and not just submit. A bunch of documents to the building department, who are continuously being overloaded and overburdened with new codes that they they don't even know what they're looking at. Like they're they're just completely inundated with uh, the change in energy codes. That they they're looking for that rubber stamp of an engineer or an architect to say everything is good, so they could just file it away and move on. Uh, but the reality is, we Toronto, Ontario, and Ontario. Look very closely at uh, at BC because they're they're just pushing the envelope very very much in you know they're doing such great things with the passive house and the lower U values and and um, and it's great that they're doing that because here in Toronto it's kind of like a dog eat dog yep. <laughs> and you know lowest price re- wins mm-hmm. and how cheap can you get it to get it get it to me um, I was always uh, telling my people I said guys we are not building Swiss watches here And I used to I used to harp on them over that but in reality I'm actually completely wrong because we are building Swiss watches. We are probably the most technical product on the job aside from maybe a mechanical unit. Uh, we're in there so early that we're putting an architecturally finished project uh, product on the job at an extremely early stage. Uh, and it has to withstand a year of construction and look beautiful when you turn it over to the owner. Um, so we are building Swiss watches We have to look at everything and we are looking at everything now architects and engineers when we submit shop drawings they' they want not only uh, an engineer stamp on on the first submission they want design calculations, detailed design calculations to say that you're uh, that you know what you're doing here. Um, so we have energy, we have thermal movements, we have seismic movements. Uh, we have a lot of considerations that we have to deal with, you know, in, in Ontario, we have swings of plus minus, uh, maybe we'll be minus 30, which is a probably about, uh, like a minus 22 Fahrenheit and we'll hit plus 30, which is whatever that is. Uh, I guess a hundred, almost a hundred. Yeah. 90 yeah. Something. Yes yeah, so like our our little uh, bubble in Toronto has got extreme uh, weather measures. You know we're we're as far south as uh, looking west I believe I checked it was South Dakota and east we're like with New Hampshire I believe. So we're parallel with them so it's not like the U.S. is um, not aware of what we deal with here in Canada. They just don't know Canada but the actual construction and and methods and methodology, I would suspect should be the same. Now, in my opinion, Canada puts a, a, an extremely high quality performing product thermally. Um, it just, there's a, it, it's because it's required and we're able to basically sell that across the border because like Terry says, we have so much engineering and, and performance data driven products that we could easily sell that across the border for uh, the price of conversion.
1: Yeah. One thing occurs to me while you were saying that Ontario hydro rates are relatively high, which means people want to stop using their air conditioning. Quebec Ontario rates. Am I right about this? Natalie are relatively low. So people are going to be more worried about the heating. Does that dictate a different, and start with you, Natalie, does that dictate a different product maybe uh, if you're worried about heat gain, solar gain or loss?
3: Um, Well, I would say that uh, typically what we see is for a commercial building because the heat gain can still be higher uh, with the people working in the well. Pre-COVID, obviously, yeah. with the amount of people working. What people did that, yeah. <laughs> and the lighting and the the computers working and the whole caboodle, it will tend to get hotter. So the condition, the air conditioning, is still the biggest worry. So they will tend to use lowies on surface to to make sure that they keep the heat out. In residential homes, especially uh, single-family homes. They will tend to rather put the lowe on surface three to keep the heat in because yes, for a single family home, the biggest worry continues to be the heating costs.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Rick, same uh, same experience. Rick, please.
4: Um. Uh, sorry, I am <laughs> <That's> here. <okay>. <laughs> um. <laughs> You know, what what we're finding here is we're still very much on the natural gas path, which is fairly inexpensive. Electric uh, heat is really uh, not prominent out here at all. So yes, we don't have uh, hydro like we do in the other provinces, but we do have that. And, you know, it has been um, slow in driving the market to say we want you know to really get more high performance windows but like I said it is getting to be in that direction Uh, in terms of the the coatings it's actually pretty interesting what I've been seeing around you know certainly in the Edmonton region where I'm seeing more of a trend where people want a low solar heat gain on the south and west elevations and a higher solar heat gain on the other elevations so, you know, that kind of complicates things a little bit for uh, manufacturers. I see Terry kind of smiling there. He might have run into it already out in BC. Uh, so that, that is really kind of an interesting thing that's going on here. And people are getting a little bit more technical uh, when it comes to that type of thing.
1: Hmm. Angelo, your big institutional clients care more about one or the other?
0: They are primarily cooling 12 months of the year Yeah. Yeah, they're more worried Yeah. in the bigger buildings. Yeah, so they want maximum light uh with the highest uh, um solar the lowest so- solar heat gain. So they they want to reject it, but they want to let the maximum visual light because now they're even uh pushing into um occupant comfort, you know, like uh mental awareness. We have to get the light into the building so that people don't you know, uh, the mental state of people is very grim these days, but uh, yeah. Right. Good stuff. a uh, question
1: coming in from, uh, the audience. It's, it's Katie Devlin, no less of, uh, us last magazine. Um, hearing many mention of passive house products, any estimates on percentage of the market for passive house products, Terry,
2: this is yours. Boy, that's a, that's a tough question. I mean, it, it, you know, it's, Passive House is, is very active in British Columbia, mm-hmm. very active, although you know, in, in the single family home market, I don't think it's there yet, but we're seeing a lot of institutional um, projects going that route. Um, you know, For example, uh, the University of British Columbia, they just finished a student housing building in uh, Kelowna. Um, by the way, Westex supplied Passive House product to that building. Um, and they're also University of uh, Victoria, is also doing a large student housing building that's gonna be passive house. Um, the city of Vancouver, um, for the most part, new city buildings um, are required to be passive house. And uh, I believe the BC Housing, which is a, a housing um, group in, in British Columbia also pushes for passive house in a lot of its projects. So we're, we're seeing it more in multifamily. Uh, I think it's um, it's more conducive um, to, to a MERB style project or institu- institutional style project. Um, but there is a growing trend in British Columbia for single-family homes. As far as the percentage, you know, what I, I don't have those numbers, so I, I don't I don't think I can speak to it. But um, it's very active here. Passive House Canada's head office is in Victoria, so that brings you know a level of attention to to the Lower Mainland and, and Southern Vancouver Island, of course. So, yeah, it's um, it, it's definitely gaining ground. Yeah, you know, it's challenged though. Natalie, what are you seeing? for Passive House?
3: Well, we we hear about it, uh, but uh, what we hear more about here in Quebec is uh, some other programs called uh, Renault Clima. Uh, okay. So that would be one that is uh, quite widely spread for all sorts of uh, products that come into the construction of a residential home. Uh, so yes, I've heard about Passive House, but certainly not as strongly as out west, mm-hmm. or at least in, in BC interesting
1: uh rick uh lots of passive house in the prairies or uh is it still kind of gaining traction
4: uh it's still kind of gaining traction you do hear about the odd projects here and there and uh Mm -hmm. you know of course i do kind of keep my eyes open for what's going on because uh as terry mentioned west tech has passive house products Uh, like i said you do see the odd one here and there i think that's going to be kind of spotty Uh, throughout the entire prairie provinces in terms of of who's doing it but you do certainly you know I I, uh, was uh, helping out a a client consult with a house that they were building in Winnipeg and you know they were uh, they were still undecided about passive house or uh, net zero so like I said it it, there are people out there it does seem to be highly specialized uh, still in the prairie provinces Hmm
1: uh angelo passive house does do uh commercial projects i believe have you uh have you run into uh you don't need any requests for that
0: uh yeah very far and few between though i yeah. think people are afraid of it here because we don't know much about it um i simply i've been on the website the passive house website whatever that was lists all the manufacturers that are approved and then i would if it was in a tender that it was required, I would simply just contact those people because I really don't have enough knowledge of what it really entails. Uh to be honest with you there. Yeah, it's uh
1: it's it, it's a pretty high standard. I I I think as Terry said, when when Everybody's on the step code, which I anticipate is going to be the final destination of uh, sort of everything the federal government with the in working with the provinces. I I think that's going to be the final destination. Uh, they're 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 saying net zero, um, but you know, passive houses making it easier uh, for people like yourself, Angelo, and 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 everybody else to to just say you know, okay, that'll. That'll qualify. That'll qualify. That'll qualify. I don't have to do all this engineering and and, and energy modeling myself uh, to uh, to to do this. Um, so I I, I think uh, if you want to look at the what's probably going to end up being the standard of the future post 2030, um, that that might be uh, that might be where things go, um, or some or some version of it. it. It it depends. It depends how, frankly, how loud the wailing from Ontario becomes because. Uh, as Angelo says, <laughs> cost drives things uh in uh, Toronto, and there's some extremely uh uh rich people who uh don't want to have to spend too much on their big big new condos so yeah. there's uh there is that uh there is that dynamic at play for sure, just to give everybody the the under the hood look at
0: Canada there for you yeah um, the hood is dirty and cheap yeah, yeah yeah.
4: Fa- yeah, and no. fast and fast yeah, and
0: fast. Yeah. No, you yeah. know what? Um, when I see it in specs in Ontario, it mentions passive house, which is my first flag. And then they'll mention, uh, a supplier and they won't really mention anything else cause they don't, maybe they don't know and maybe they want passive house, but they don't know really how to get there. And maybe if they piece together, uh, this supplier that's certified passive house and this and that they could get there but uh, i don't think many people uh know the full in and out here in ontario so i think
1: really i think really the answer to the question on the on the on the line was um was bc yes uh you know some traction uh some interest uh, uh you could do business with passive house there um uh prairies may be emerging um but once you get east of that you're going to be the new kid on the block to some extent with uh, with 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 passive house. Uh, I, I, I think a little bit. Not that it there's awareness, uh, and and it's a and it's a good thing to be able to do, because it's coming, uh, and 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 so you might as well get used to it. Because if we, if everybody's not building very energy efficient products, they're going to be on the outside looking in. And the advantage is, as Angela was saying, where where this is, the building inspectors are not engineers they're looking for a label they they're looking for something that says this this meets it and it's all it's all certified and it's all approved uh, ahead of time not that passive house really does that but 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 it 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 could it, it gets you it gets you in the, more in that direction and i think if it you know if that if, if that standard or something that's called something different that's the same gets gets recognized as a standard that might be where things end up anyways that's my opinion um another one any estimates on the percentage of Canadian IG for new construction that goes into triples and quads? Well, wow, that that that's a that would be quite a statistic. But uh, yeah, like how how popular? Rick, why don't we start with you out there in the in the in the, in the frozen prairie on the on the tundra, um, and uh, tell us uh, uh, how many how many triples and quads uh, are, are you seeing going uh, going in out
0: there?
4: um depending on the region if you're in the manitoba area certainly there there have been a high percentage of triples out there really you know going back almost when vinyl windows started they they were the first it is a, a colder climate there so i would say in a lot of ways they were actually the pioneer and i see still see a good percentage of of triples i would i i would say for sure uh, half or more out there in Alberta, it's a little bit of a mix. And again, it depends on on the market because uh, believe it or not, um, people out here are also cheap and, and they don't like to pay a lot of money for uh, windows, etc. cetera. Uh, so we don't really see it. We see it in some places and you'll see some advertising from certain builders that will actually get on and say, all of our products are triple glazed. Uh, We are seeing a little bit more of a trend towards triple-glazed sliders and hung windows out here. Uh, Because the dollar is everything, we're seeing houses that will put casements and nice windows in the front and then triple-glazed sliders or hung windows in in the back. Uh, Again, I think as as we start to get into the STEP program a little bit more, uh, I think we will see that percentage go up in terms of the quad glazing um, there's really not much of it going on right now um, there is a company up in uh, the Yukon in Whitehorse that does uh, quad glazing up there a very robust product and of course their climate is is quite extreme so you know and even with that uh, you know I last time I was up there visiting them uh, the percentage still wasn't All that high, in terms of the quad glazing, um, because it does become very expensive. Not just from, you know, obviously you have four lights of glass um, to start with, but (laughs) then you you (laughs) the
1: maid the maid maid arrived, otherwise known as my daughter
0: Charlotte. A typical Sorry, Zoom ahead, fashion. <laughs> typical Zoom.
4: It's okay. I'm 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 surprised my cat hasn't jumped up on my desk yet. Actually, so it's all good. Um, I failed
1: to give the water so yeah quad,
4: <laughs> quad 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 glazing. Like I said, it is very pricey. Yeah. And you know, for anybody who's manufactured. Uh, sealed units especially if you're doing you know triples are a really good example of that when you're putting them through the washer you need to make sure that that interior light is perfectly clean before you you put it in so triples are a real pain now imagine doing that with quads where you're you're stacking all of these layers on top of each other and then there's a bit of an issue with some of the hardware and maximum sizes so, you know, you could also argue that if you're not cold of a climate, you don't want that big of a window anyways, but you know, you, you also don't want to melt the roof off your igloo, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it sucks when it melts around the skylight and the whole thing falls down on you. Yeah. The- <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> I, hate, I hate it when that happens. Um, Natalie, quads, triples in Quebec, any interest?
3: uh quads i've i think i've seen that very very rarely
1: yeah.
3: um triples uh, are being adopted uh, more and more especially in the residential uh i would say about you I know mean, rough numbers here but i would say about a third of uh, what gets done gets done with the triple ig um yeah. In the commercial, though we have yet to to see more, I would say it's no more than maybe between ten and fifteen percent of what gets done. Uh, still, very much strongly leaning towards the double IG, uh, but in the residential, uh, we see more, more triple IG.
1: What's the biggest triple you ever put in, Angelo? Have you have you done have you done some on uh, commercial?
0: Uh, maximum production size. Uh... I think Proco, whatever their max size was, is pretty much what it was. Uh, jumbo. Like it's,
1: Na- it's Natalie, disgusting. would you like to answer that question as to what Proco's uh, maximum manufacturing size is?
3: Yeah. I'll take disgusting. a guess at uh, probably 96 inches wide, of course, uh, by probably, I would say, 160, maybe, 160 inches yeah. long. It was yeah.
0: 142 at the time. It was a low E. Yeah, it was only 142. Yeah. It's... Uh, I guess you want, that's my segue to move right into that, Patrick? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, triples, uh, I would say happen very often when it's uh, – because we do a lot of university and City of Toronto uh, community centers, those types of projects uh, where the uh, the regions have to be leaders in energy efficiency. They have to lead right. by people. And the universities always want that top tier project. We just finished a project at York University, all triples, all low iron glass, so maximum visual light, um, argon gas, obviously, and then even bird friendly fritz um, So it was it was a juggernaut of a unit, and but that was a specific project to a specific need that York University mandated, and. It was coupled on to, you know, like automation of window openings that was connected to the BAS, heat collectors. So, very specific. Um, But I would say, but we do very specific projects. So, that equals a good chunk of our business, believe it or not, Um, aside from the jumbo size units that people like Prelco and others like to make these days. Um, But then on the residential side, we have a probably only 10% and, uh, of triples versus doubles. Now I personally always push for the triples because I put them in my house. And when it's not only helps with the sunlight coming in and all that typical salesman talk of, you know, uh, you know, you don't want to ruin your furniture and your carpets and stuff like that. But the actual comfort of a triple unit over a double, is phenomenal the sound pollution is next like what comes through those windows from a double glazed unit to a triple glazed unit is right like you are you felt you feel like you're in a back forest when you put a triple glazed unit in your in your bedroom or something Mm -hmm. so i always push the triple glaze now if the person it's hard to it's hard to monetize that because the energy costs are so low that in order to convince someone that they're going to get their money back, it's very hard. But right. it's an occupant comfort. It's, it's a, you know, it's if you want to sit in a cold room and just crank the heat, go buy, go do it. But if you want to save energy and be a leader, then you put triple glaze units in with double OEs and stuff. Terry, I know you guys
1: were have, have, have done a lot with triples. Um, um, when, when you got... When you got into that, one of, one of the things I always heard was was the complaint about the um, the difficulty of handling it, the weight, the the awkwardness, the, the all this kind of thing. Did you guys did you guys run into that? Did you find that when when you first got into that side of it?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, you say we're really into triples. We have performance that's really great with triples, but mm-hmm. the actual supply of triples in in the Southern British Columbia market is is pretty small. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, we, we've done, you know, I mean, just an absolute wild guess, you know, 5% of of what we do maybe. Um, right. So it's, so it's pretty small in the residential market right now, but regulation is going to dramatically change that, you know, 15 months from now, the city of Vancouver residential, it'll be triples. That's the only way you'll get there. Um, and then provincially with the step code, you know, again, shot in the dark crystal ball, 2025 we're probably looking at mostly triples driven by the step code so it's gonna be a dramatic change and and there's a lot of fabricators in BC right now that are dipping new systems to accommodate triples that that never had them before because you know we didn't you know there was no call for it yeah so there's a lot of that going on Um, there is uh, a government funding program for for companies to develop high-performance systems so that helps to, to drive some of it. But today, residentially, not a not a big part of the market. But if you're not looking at it two to five years, you, you really need to be on your game and start to develop products. And it's gonna change the entire residential industry here, I think, when we talk about large large systems in triples. Um, you know, sticking 40, 50 square foot triples in a PVC frame. That's, that's pretty tricky, right? Mm, so, so I think nice. we're gonna see a change in, uh, you know, in, in the architecture of houses as that changes. Um, you know, British Columbia, the city of Vancouver, you know, it's all about the view, lots of great big glass. So I think that, um, you know, that that's gonna be a challenge over the next little while, so.
1: Yeah, for sure. I realized it was wrong the minute I left my, it left my mouth but Katie Devlin is with glass magazine, not us glass magazine. And I'm pointing that out right now, run, don't walk to your nearest browser and subscribe to glass magazine today, featuring Katie Devlin, the editor. <laughs> she is fantastic. And she's entertaining us with another question, which is actually uh, really good. Well, well actually, It's a question probably none of us know the answer to. Uh, She was asking about the Gigny glass, uh, float glass plant that was uh, supposed to be built in Southern Ontario. And I I don't know, Natalie and and Terry, even how much you guys know, and Rick, how much you guys know about that. Yeah, I I know Angelo knows because our our mutual friend, uh, Frank Fulton uh, was uh, highly incensed (laughs) at uh, the outcome there. Um, Gigny, which is a, is a, 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 a massive uh, uh, Chinese uh, glass manufacturer uh, actually had some kind of trade junket deal with uh, the Ontario government to, uh, to build a float glass, plant. it's still in play. I mean, they're, they're supposed to be building a float glass plant in Southern Ontario. And of course we haven't had float glass produced in Canada for what over 10 years now. Right. Ever since uh, I think Guardian shut down their last plant. And, um, and uh and they were all set up for Wellington County, which is near Guelph, which is, by the way, where my whole family is from, uh, on my mother's side. And uh, and the wonderful city council of Guelph decided they were going to be taking too much water uh, out of the water table uh, to uh, to run there. This, by the way, is the town where the Nestle bottled water plant is located. <laughs> So if you want to talk about the amount, the amount of water in you was going to take was like a percentage of what Nestle uses. Anyways, Angelo, what 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 do you know about that? What have you heard? Have you, do do you have any, do you have, have you heard anything further on that?
0: Not that other than what you know. Um, I think the tree huggers, they won that battle, definitely. <laughs> uh, made a big thing out of nothing, but yeah. So be it. They they pick up their plant and they move it somewhere else that will accept them. And it
1: was going to be a seven hundred and fifty million dollar investment, I believe.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it was going
1: to be a nice. It was going to be a good thing, and we would have had float glass in Canada, so we weren't uh, dependent on bringing our all our uh, supplies in across the border. Exactly, but, and it may still happen. It may still. I believe
0: happen. The, I believe they're on here, on the Zoom.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah I've so got Gini, uh, Canada
1: is is in here. So, Virginia, if you're listening, keep going. Uh, go for it. Yeah, man, man, many of us, many of us love you and want you to make a plant in our neighborhood. I come to London. Yeah. We, we, we love we love you guys in London. We got lots of water. Don't worry yeah. about it.
2: Come to BC. <laughs> we've got even more.
1: They got even more. They got even more water in BC, and there's and there's substantial water in Quebec.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's where all the electricity
4: comes from. Well, you, you could go to Saskatchewan. You don't have to worry about tree huggers because there's no trees, but there's no water either. <laughs>
1: I, I don't want to say what happens to tree huggers who show up in Alberta these days. It, uh, it doesn't end well. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's move to, um, we're, 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 we're getting close to time, but I'm told I have an extra 15 minutes and I'm going to use every second of it because I love you guys. I never get to talk to you enough uh, these yeah. days. Um, I, I, I promised a little, I promised a little COVID, uh, 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 talk, but I want to, I want to narrow it down to something, something specific. Um, I'm getting a little worried from some of the thing, people, things that I'm hearing from people, uh, about supply chains, about being able to get what we need on a timely basis for our manufacturing operations. Mm -hmm. I've been hearing lead times going out on, uh, on, on glass. Uh, I'm hearing things about people not getting emails returned when they try to get to their glass supplier. Um, I'm, hearing, uh, I'm hearing a lot of stuff, uh, hardware issues, same, same issues with some of the big hardware suppliers. Um, let's go, uh, we, we're, we're doing manufacturing, so we'll, well, we'll stay with Terry for now. Uh, Terry, what are you seeing? Have you had any hiccups at all? there at West Tech.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, my, my focus in the business is not so much on the supply chain, but I've certainly heard that we have had some supply issues. Mm. Um, but this this nasty bit of business that we're going through right now, you know, the challenge that, that we're faced with and that, that we've been seeing is simply getting employees to come to work. You know, the mm. CERB has really um, caused some problems um, for staffing. Uh, you know, I'm not saying it wasn't necessary or that there was lots of people that needed it. But, you know, in, in B.C. for companies like us, there was almost no blip in our business. We were busy. You know, people kept building. You know, there was no shutdown of the construction industry. Uh, you know, the, the renovation guys, they, they certainly ran into some challenges. But, but we were busy. We had orders coming in. Um, but all of a sudden, employees could take the summer off and get paid for it. Um, and, you know, to be fair, you know, I mean, there was concern people justifiably, you know, wanted to make sure they were safe, but we followed all the protocols. But, you know, even still, it was a challenge. And it's really caused some difficulties for us, being able to supply our clients and, and stay on top of our production uh, capacities. So, so that's been the hit for us. You know, hopefully, we'll, we'll see that change. Although, you know, cases are climbing again in bc like in many places um but you know i think i think the management of um of this problem i don't use the the word actually I, I refuse to um you know hopefully we're we're over it and we're learning to deal with it and to manage it and let's get back to work we need to be at work and we need to to, to keep keep things moving so it's yeah. it's been a bear for sure
0: Hey,
1: labor's part of the supply chain, so uh, that's uh, that's 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 one of the elements. By the way, uh, for those listening uh, in other jurisdictions, uh, Curb is Canada Emergency uh, Response, response Benefit, right? Yeah, and uh, and uh, it's the uh, there's there's that that's a direct payment to workers. There's a wage subsidy for employers that want to keep the workers on and keep paying them. Right. Um, there was supposed to be rent and lease relief, but I don't, I don't know if that ever uh, really, uh, transpired because it was up to the landlords, whether they wanted to pass along the savings. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so those are, those are sort of the forms that the, that, that, that the assistance has taken. And there's, there's, for, for, for those who feel strongly that they want to go into more debt, uh in the middle of a uh, a a pandemic and a and a and a decline in demand and a recession uh there are a number of interest free loans on offer so uh, go out there and <laughs> absolutely <laughs> take Back it them yeah, take, yeah, that's them it up. that's right Angela, take it to the health, baby <laughs> yeah, it'll be a low low price when you have to pay that off so uh, anyway i i shouldn't i shouldn't mock I, I i do feel like they're doing the best they can to some extent uh, it, it, it certainly early days. It was it was a lot of chaos. Angelo, uh, uh, what do you see? And are you guys able to uh, get stuff for your for your plant?
0: Uh, no. <laughs> right. Next <Yeah>. question. <laughs> no, yeah. you know what? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah, I told yeah, I, you I was
1: hearing concerning things.
0: Yeah, I hit this COVID thing. I'm like everyone else. I'm burnt out with COVID. Like it's just it's yeah. too much. Uh, the amount of stress of managing a business and employees keeping everyone safe, making sure you get your supplies, that you could pre- uh, perform contractually with your jobs. It's just, it's too much. But the reality is, is when I go to my suppliers and I ask them, what's your impact with your supply chain at the very beginning, now that I, I hit it maybe a little bit too soon, um, but they're like, oh no, business as usual. Okay, so then you put in orders and then they don't realize that that piece of plastic that has to go into that window all of a sudden is delayed and it just snowballed. And then things that are already long processes, uh, let's say if you want windows in four weeks, six weeks, go to 10 weeks and 12 weeks. And, um, you're, I just had to, you know, be the bearer of bad news to my client yesterday that told that I'm supposed to be on site in November. Uh, now it's going to be January. Like what? And, and here I am. I'm like, uh, i have a contract to that i have to uh, keep uh, moving forward so there's a lot of serious discussions that are happening uh why you can't perform and i have to prepare packages and whatnot to solidify my position that hey guys we're doing everything that we can Mm -hmm. and this is the result of covid19 like uh, terry said people had a great summer off you know but we do have to keep them safe uh, that's there's no doubt uh, but people we know what we have to do now to be safe we we just have to push forward and you know our all our kids are at school right now Um so that's the next weapon right there um, so yeah covid's not going away anytime soon so we have to adapt and be safe Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely well it's you know and uh and 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 unfortunately we're I think the way the law works, we're we're getting out of force majeure territory for being able to get exemptions on contracts and things um, because it's been going on too long. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit of a toughie. Uh, Natalie, uh, you know, you're 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 making wood windows. All you have to do is go out back and chop down a tree. So <laughs> I, I imagine there's been no problems at uh, LePage at all. <laughs>
3: Now, uh, really, the only uh, area where it's been a little bit more difficult is if uh, we need some uh, subcomponents. Mm-hmm. And I'm not so sure that it's because it's coming from overseas, but more because everybody has started being very busy. Uh, so for example, steel doors and other materials, uh, the lead times are pushing out. And it could be due to the fact that the capacity of all those companies was also altered because of CERB or or the programs that prevented them from... You know, there was already a somewhat of a labor shortage before the pandemic. And this has only exacerbated the the situation even more. Mm -hmm. So by the time the companies turn around and find some other solutions, it takes time. So I think that's probably the main reason why those supply chains are being affected.
1: Yeah, uh, we're seeing... uh, uh, my other magazine is Canadian contractor and, 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 and we're seeing a huge, uh, uh, you know, price spike and, and actually you can't even get, uh, uh, pressure treated lumber, uh, in a lot of areas. Um, and, uh, and, and that's just because the sawmills took a pause for, for COVID. And then now, like, what, what do you do? Once you've done the pause, you can't just double to, to make up the ground that you lost uh so uh so so there's 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 an absolute shortage uh and it's uh it's probably it's probably affecting everything
4: yeah.
1: um i want to get to uh, we got we got one more question coming in we're uh, we're getting close to the end here but uh let's let's take a shot at this one uh before we close it out if i'm sure that i understand what the question is any estimates on curtain wall panels outsourced from GCC slash Middle East countries slash China et cetera, in Canada um are we still seeing are we still seeing a, a lot of offshore curtain wall Angelo or have the did, did the
0: did the trade action pretty much crush that the trade action the ones that partaked in the action are still around mm-hmm. they're still players the ones that were not part of the uh, the uh, not part of that were are pretty much non-existent yeah so curtain wall uh, there's still the large the massive large players like the um the hose and the uh yuanda yuanda yeah 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 i did a uh, uh
1: i had an article i mean it's another it's another aspect of of, of doing this job in canada and, and 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 being in the in in the, in the canadian glass uh, industry uh is uh you know we have felt it necessary to protect ourselves in trade battles from time to time, um, because uh, I, I, I just did an article on this last year when the when the uh, tariffs were put in place against Chinese curtain wall um, and and the entire unitized curtain wall manufacturing capacity in Canada Canada's entire capacity this is this was in the in the trade documents is less than the overflow yes. at one of Uanda's plants.
0: I remember you saying this.
1: And they have forty plants in China. <laughs>
0: yeah. So disgusting!
1: If they're well, you know, if they're bored one day, they can say, "Let's wipe out all our competition in Canada." <laughs> it's not even costing us anything. It's excess capacity.
0: Yeah. So, I remember yeah. reading that when you uh, when you said that in an article, that's absolutely, it's <laughs> yeah. scary to see that. that well it's
1: production. You know, we we don't realize what small fish we are. Yes. You know, uh, well, we we do, but I mean, you know, we lose sight of it when you uh, know when when we're when we're when we're stuck in our basements for COVID. But uh but you know, that's 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 the reality that's out there. And of course, our uh, our good friends who we're speaking to many of right now in the U.S. Uh, have. Uh, you know, decided to play some games with aluminum tariffs, uh, and of course, my uh, my cover on Glass Canada pretty much expresses uh, all my, uh, my 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 opinion of that because I've got a I've got a a, a, a guy in a in an Uncle Sam suit hitting himself over the head with an aluminum bar, <laughs> and the, the beaver sitting there like going, "What are you doing? <laughs> all they're doing is hurting themselves." <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Have you guys seen that? Uh, 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 Rick, have you, have you seen any impact from, from aluminum tariffs from, uh, on, on, on prices or, or anything? like that? Has that changed anything in, in where, where you are?
4: Um, I, I don't know if it's necessarily due to tariffs, but I know that we have had some uh, issues with some aluminum supply uh, at the Everlast plant. Okay. So you know we have had some orders getting delayed here and there. It uh, you know so that that's been impacted again. I don't know if that if that's necessarily the cause would be tariffs or if it's just as everybody says you're uh, you know uh, just getting caught up or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will make a comment on one something I heard you you mentioned pressure treated wood, Patrick, and yeah. I heard that also what's contributing to that shortage is a lot of people who were stuck at home and bored are building decks and demand has also soared uh, during this time. That's true. So, yep. it, you know, it has been a, a very strange world. Uh, certainly I've seen um, communications coming from hardware suppliers out of the US, warning of lead times. I have seen some uh, window companies here in Alberta releasing uh, memos to their customers uh, to their customers, saying that you know they're experiencing delays everywhere. So, hopefully, we get through this soon, and we can all stay safe. and Let's just hope for the best. <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, on that note, folks, I'm getting the high sign from the uh, from the uh, good technical folks on the chat. Um, you know, I I don't know about you guys. I feel like I could go on like this forever, and right? especially if we had a few drinks. Uh, <laughs> but it was a it was a little it was a little too early in the day, so. We're gonna have to, you know, we're gonna have to try to do that when we all get together again. Uh, Terry Adamson, Angelo Cairo, Natalie Thibault, Rick Pries, Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, this uh, uh, is going to be recorded, I believe, and be available for uh, anybody who missed it. Share with your friends, share with your enemies, maybe more with your enemies. Uh, and uh, you can, uh, yeah, and you can catch uh, me. I'm Pat Flannery uh, in Glass Canada Magazine. Uh, also, subscribe to my podcast, Glass Talk, uh, which is uh, on your favorite podcasting service. And uh, you'll hear conversations uh, like this, usually with fewer people, uh, all the time on there. But anyways, thanks really very much uh, for uh, joining the uh, Glass Build uh, uh, Canada panel. Thanks to Glass Build. Thanks to the NGA. Um, and uh, we'll uh, maybe catch you again another time.
4: Bye, all. Thanks a lot, everyone. Thanks, all. Have a blast. there. Take care. Take care, everybody.
0: Fenestration Conversation
4: is a presentation of Fenestration Review Magazine and Annex Business Media.